What's up, y'all? It's Zach from Living Corporate, and today is another day, another dope interview. Y'all know how we do, okay? So it's just not, okay, like we're coming up on, shoot, actually, let me say this, by the time this episode drops, we might be past 100 episodes, you know what I'm saying? Might, might have already hit the century mark. In fact, let me go ahead and hit these air horns for the century mark, just, you know, just in case we hit it already by the time this one drops. You know, for those who don't know, Living Corporate amplifies the voices of black and brown folks at work. We interview executives, influencers, creatives, movers and shakers, the next folks up, you know, the real ones, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, like all skin folk and kin folk. Okay, that's another podcast from the day. Those who know know what I'm saying, but we interview the real ones. Okay, and today is no different with Cedric Chambers. Cedric is dedicated to enhancing the presence of diversity and inclusion within the workplace, one client at a time. As the founder and CEO of Jump Recruits, Cedric partners with talented professionals and leading employers to diversify and improve the workforce culture within leading industries and growing sectors. Sound man, you know what? We got to drop some more air horns for Cedric. Come on now. And I got to add one of these Cardi B owls, you know what I'm saying? Just because. Cedric, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Zach, man. You are amazing. That was the best intro I've probably ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I know I gave you a little intro, but for those who don't know you, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, look, to give kind of the full, but to be quick about it. So, originally from Georgia, not Atlanta. Columbus, Georgia, and so uh, actually a little small town about two hours southwest of Atlanta. Um, grew up, played football, went to college, did my undergrad uh, playing football, graduated from Savannah State with a business degree, uh, did a little work, you know, uh, in the industry for about a year or so, went back and got my master's at the Ohio State University, uh, majoring in labor and human resources, um, and then immediately after I got my degree, I went into corporate America, spending Almost 10 years in HR in various areas, uh, in a few different industries, including aviation, medical device, life sciences, pharma. Over that time, I've had the pleasure of traveling all over the world and have had opportunities to live in a few different places across the Midwest and Northeast of the United States. And so, you know, what I do and, and the experiences I bring, right, I, you know, I believe are one of the values um, that I hold. Look, I have a wonderful family, beautiful wife of five years, and, and two incredible, incredible kids. And as you mentioned, um, I am the founder and CEO of Jump Recruits. And so uh, just to give a brief, Jump Recruits is a full-service diversity and inclusion technology startup. And it's dedicated to providing inclusion, opportunity, and successful career outcomes for diverse professionals and employers seeking quality, diverse talent. And I've been on this, this journey for almost three years, actually three years. And like Charles Dickens said, um, it's been the best of times and it's been the worst of times. Uh, but to be honest, through it all, I wouldn't change anything. First of all, man, you talking about I gave one of the best intros. That was one of the best, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Guess intro was just, it was, you know, comprehensive, right? You gave a little bit of a sensitive side on the family tip. You gave some yeah. vulnerable side on the journey with Jump Recruits. And then you gave a bit of the, like, just the history about kind of where you're from and what you did. Uh, as a side note, shout out to uh, the Georgia boys. I was actually uh, born in Rome, Georgia. There you go. Look at that. You country too, man. Oh, listen, bro. What a K. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the one thing. Look, we we, go, we can talk about it as we get into it, right? Um, like I've yeah. been in different environments and, you know, traveling across. And I have a, a deep southern dialect. Right. And when I go into different places, people immediately, you know, hear that. And so we'll, get, we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But, you know, it's, it's all good, right? Embrace where you come from and just be authentic. Oh, 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 no doubt, man. And, you know, it's interesting because for me, um, 
just because of my exposure. So I went to I was in Georgia and I went to Dallas and I went to Minnesota. So like my my accent kind of comes and goes or the, the drawl of my southern like the, my southern drawl kind of will uh, recede or kind of extend during it just depending on the situation. Right. But yep. at the same time, it don't matter about that part. I tell people all the time, say, listen, don't let this pocket square fool you, okay? <laughs> very, very country. Don't play with me. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm so, with you. Yeah, and so look, we're talking today about uh, diversity. It's a super common term, right? And honestly, a, a lot of folks use the term diversity and inclusion in a, in a, sw- a broad swath of ways, right? So like for uh-huh. you, though, what does diversity mean? Um, yes, uh, great question. So you know, I would say that, you know, when I think about diversity and in, in the term, right, um, to me, you know, what I pull from it is uh, uniqueness in every way. Mm. You know, whether that be race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, perspective, etc. You know, when I think about diversity, I think about the setting and context in which it's being applied in the term, because diversity can have different meanings in different places, depending on where you're applying it. Right. And so, you know, I lived around it. So living in Atlanta diversity can be different in living in Wisconsin where I've lived can be different in living in Boston where I live can be different in living in Ohio where I live but that commonality that I think of is uniqueness and what unique what are you bringing that's unique what are you bringing that is one yourself authentic as I said before um, but I always think about that is when we want to use this word diversity and think about yes things are different um, but in a different way you know how are you unique and how are you bringing that uniqueness, you know, to everything that you're doing? It's interesting, right? Because a lot of times when we talk about diversity, I think, like you just said, it's like uniqueness in every way, in every way, right? Checking a, a variety of boxes, right? Being, yeah. Right. Um, just just what does it look to be non-standard or non-default? Um, mm-hmm. And so with that being said, I'm curious what you haven't <laughs> Do you have any particular thoughts around the concept of diversity of thought? And have you ever gotten that pushback in your work with Jump Cruise to be like, okay, I see you have all these, uh, you know, you know, ethnic diversity is the only diversity. Diversity of thought. Like, like, what do you when you oh, hear man. <laughs> when you hear that? Like, what is your response? Oh man, I had to make it through this interview. Because um, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm gonna keep it up being with you. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep it up being with you, right? Because when people say diversity of thought for me, so you, I don't know how long you've been rocking with the Living Corporate Podcast, and I'm actually surprised we didn't get canceled off of uh, this joke. But one time, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it again, uh, so y'all have an opportunity to cancel me again. I said that uh, I said white people made diversity of thought in the same lab they made crack. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> Uh, so now you know the living corporate official position and yes look there's nobody y'all can complain to y'all listen to the podcast y'all got y'all got a problem y'all emails gonna come come, come to me and i day okay so be mad all right anyway back to this interview so Cedric, what are your thoughts on diversity of thought man and look and perspectives right you know i hear a lot of things and perspective right you got to understand people's perspective right and even what you said like i you know, I can see the perspective, right? And that, and that's the one thing you got to come with an open, an open mind right. and an open heart into those situations. But, you know, thinking about diversity of thought. So, you know, unfortunately, um, I have heard diversity of thought um, and, and have, you know, seen it used as a pushback. And when I hear it, um, it's typically used in the context of uh, either or. And, and what I mean is, when I'm having these discussions and, you know, we could be talking about, you know, we're talking about diversity, we could be talking about ethnicity and these things, and they bring up the diversity of thought. They're saying that either I focus on having diversity of race, gender, sexuality, or I focus on having diversity of thought. 
which is not the way it should be looked at, right? And so it should be viewed as an and, meaning like, yes, you should value diversity of thought. And in addition, value diversity of background, i.e. race, gender, sexuality, etc. But so many people take that position of, you know, I can't value both. And so I'm going to go with the safest way out and say I value diversity of thought as a whole. And depending on how long you let those those people talk, right, you can get down into a rabbit hole of, you know, the, the common terms of I don't see color and X, Y, and Z, right? And so, we, we you know, that's a, that's a whole podcast by itself. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and when I've encountered this pushback, you know, whether it be clients, prospects, or just in general casual conversations, I usually approach it from the perspective of, from the perspective of, hey, look, you're right. Diversity of thought is important and critical to the success of a team, organization, and relationships. But then I always follow up in that discussion with the question of, well, then how do you acquire diversity of thought? Yeah. Because how a person thinks is heavily based on experiences and backgrounds. And if you aren't pulling from different pools and different backgrounds, which have different experiences, then how do you achieve this goal of diversity of thought you're ultimately looking for? And I typically, at this point, get blank stares. <laughs> and so, which is great for me because not a real conversation can start. And we can start on even grounds to say, okay, now let's let's talk through and work this out. Man, you know, that's that's a great answer. You know, I'll, tip, I'll tell you what I typically say, right? So, for background, right, I'm in change management. Like, I'm a consultant. So, like, I'm having these conversations. People say diversity of thought. I'll say something like, well... You're absolutely right. Diversity of thought is important and it's direct. It directly intersects or uh, is correlated with diversity of race, gender, Mm -hmm. sexuality, so on and so forth. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Right. What I'm trying to say is on the outside, they're doing me the blank stares that they give you. But on the inside, I know they're doing a and I you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They're trying to they're trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do? Yeah. I definitely get that. So let's let's do this then. What are some of the biggest excuses you oh, heard organizations give as to why they don't have black and brown folks in the organization? I'm talking back black and brown disabled people, black and brown uh, LGBTQ people, black and brown immigrants, black and brown. Like, just why? Why is it? What are the, some of the biggest excuses you've heard? You know, I'll probably go with the biggest <laughs> that I've heard, seen, and I think everybody kind of rallies around. Um, but the biggest is that there is an issue with the pipeline yeah and that there isn't enough qualified black and brown talent for those companies to pull from yeah which is totally false right (laughs) and it's yeah man and it's like i'm not gonna go into how why why do we keep listening to that line but uh, (laughs) (laughs) well i I think let me shoot you some bell right i think for me it's challenging because it's like i don't think people like really can examine or really have examined how offensive and insulting that is yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like, fam. Come on, man. Like, we've been here. Like, so it's like you. It's like you, you're doing what you can do. You, you, you're pushing out the best, and then someone says, "Well, I still don't see you." Come on, man. And, and and that's where it's coming from. Like, it's like we got so many great, you know, whether it be engineers graduating, you got so many great doctors, you got so many so great many. scientists, right? right? We're doing so many things in the news, and it's still like this, this, this message of "I still don't see you." It's, and and, <laughs> so, and we, we all over here like. What more do you want from me? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and, look, and, I, and look, I won't be naive to think that there are as many people of color as there are non-people of color. So right. I, I won't think that. Right, right, right. But for instance, look, we know that for a fact there are less black and brown engineers that graduate for college every year 
and then their counterparts. And the National Society of Black Engineers have done a lot of great research in this area, and they actually have campaigns going on now to increase that number of black engineers graduate, graduating every year, black and brown. Yeah. But what we also know is that from, from having these discussions daily with corporate leaders, as I do, is that these same organizations are not going to the places and communities where black and brown people are. And they are not effectively attracting and hiring the great talent that's already in the market today. And if, if I can if I can provide this illustration for you yeah. real quick, is that look, look at it like this. If I want to go catch a fish, I can't possibly do that by casting my line on land. Hmm. I must cast in the water where the fish are. Hmm. And that's that's what is happening today. Many companies, not all, and I, and I won't say not all. But many are casting in the wrong places. And as I hear this conversation over and over and I hear this excuse, the question that I often ask myself or that, you know, we must ask is, are companies knowingly casting in the wrong places because they don't want black and brown talent Hmm. or are they misinformed on where to cast? And honestly, I think it's both. That's a that's a hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. That's a flex bomb. Yeah, no, you're right. It's I think it's both. I don't think it's one or the other. I think really when you talk about these topics and it's often a case of both and right, like it's it's really mm-hmm. ever one versus the other because I've had conversations and I'm look, I have a nuanced opinion on this. Right. Like when you talk about sourcing candidates. Um, yep. And so, like, you know, you hear organizations say, you know, we're going to just recruit all HBCUs. OK, yes, you should definitely recruit at the HBCUs. There's also black and brown folks at these PWIs too. Man. <laughs> like, man, all the black people are not just flocking to HBCUs. HBCUs are expensive. Like, I love my HBCUs. Hey, yo, please, y'all, do not cancel me. We love y'all. PVIC. Okay, <laughs> Prairie View, we see you. Okay, Texas Southern, we see Savannah you. State. Let's Savannah go. State, we see you. Morehouse, listen, we love y'all. Okay, I'm just saying. I I went to a PWI, and there were many black and brown folks in my space who did not know what they was doing when they graduated. Right, so mm-hmm. there's talent there. They're in the same rooms with Becky and Keith and whoever else. They like it's it's both, man. And I don't know why, it, but when I hear like pipeline strategies, I hear when we talk about minority talent, ethnic minority talent, it's like we're not even trying to think about how we plug into the PWIs. We just say, oh, we're just going to go to the HBCUs. It's like you can do both. You can plug into HBCUs and then look for and look at the student programs because every PWI has one, right? Every PWI has some program where the black and brown folks have huddled together to say, pick us. So like (laughs) you just got to plug in. You know, it's it's right. And it's the the, the word I'm, I'm going to say, for lack of better terms, is laziness. Yeah. That's what it is. Straight up. And it's it's that hey, you know, being in corporate, right? I've done I've done the HBCUs, I've done the PWI. There is a stark difference between the two as far as the resources and opportunities between the two. Where I was in a career fair at, you know, HBCUs to where you're talking twenty to thirty companies, a lot of them banks and local banks, a lot of them militaries, uh the military trying to recruit, but then go to PWI and like you talking about 200 of the fortune 500 companies in here right. buy in for spots right so the, the opportunity and resources and then on top of that when they, when you engage with hbcus and, and and hsis in the communities and, and let's let's say this quickly is that it's more than money hmm. because that's what happens is hey let's go give scholarships Hey, let's let let's go out and, and let's see, you know, what we can do from recruiting effort. It's just transactional. 
yeah. the entire time. And when you think about big schools, right, to where uh, with the, the PWIs and you think about some of these big companies, the one of the biggest differences, if you want to come to HBCU and HSI, I need you to look at this long term. And I need yes. you to look at this and say, we're talking about money, but not just money. We're talking about resources, i.e. training and development. And there are many institutions, predominantly white, where large companies are staples on their campuses, teaching them skills and knowledge needed to be successful, not only today, but in the future. I mean, these companies have offices in their career development office, right? And they're talking about data analytics, AI, machine learning. And these companies even have some of their senior officers or subject matter experts at these at these campuses teaching the class. Man, they be in there. They be hitting up. They tapping every avenue of that relationship. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. Exactly. And so when you think about all of those resources and you turn around and say, well, look, let's give a, a scholarship to somebody or let's go out and let's go to this career fair. And then they don't see you again for another 12 months. It's how do you expect to build that pipeline? How do you expect to build that relationship, that brand and all those other things that come along with it if you're not invested? Now, I'm going to say this. That's not all. Right. But there's definitely a lot that's doing it. Man, you a hundred percent. I'm also going to say something else. So I don't know, man. What about this interview? I just feel like I got to keep it a buck today. We keep it there a buck. You go. Living corporate, generally speaking. Uh, like, don't get me wrong. Like, we have we be dropping heat on here. Okay, hold on. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Shout out to my team because like we really be doing this. You know what I'm saying? What it do, baby? Yeah. We out here. Okay, so, <laughs> but but this is my biggest thing. This is this is a, another personal pain point. Right? Is like. We got to make sure that when black and brown folks, like when we go out to these HBCUs and like we're doing this stuff, like we have to also bring this thought leadership and take it to the folks who are in charge. Right. So like we got to be talking to the recruitment teams because a lot of times I'll say in consulting. Right. I'm not going to say the firm. I've been at a few. Um, yeah. So I w- was at a firm and like there was this common narrative that there was an HBCU that we did not hire for like the, the client facing stuff. We only hired them for the technical stuff. And the reason was because they don't really have the skill set. Right. And like, we would like, I'm saying like the black folks, like we would lean into that narrative. Like, yeah, they don't have the skill set. They're just not really. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, what are you doing? Like, why would you don't, don't parrot that out loud. Like, yeah, let's figure out ways we can help our people. And then two, let's like, just ask the deeper why and think critically about, well, why don't we believe they have that skill set and what can mm-hmm. we do to help develop that skill set? And what you, all the things you're talking about are 100 percent facts. But it, I think it, it's going to take a joint effort. Right. Um, and I 100 percent agree with you. So uh, let, let's do this because I, I know I know we're coming up on time. Um, so multiple white papers state that before organizations can seek to diversify their organizations, they should seek to diversify leadership and build an inclusive culture. What's your point of view on that? And what does it practically look like for you to help organizations be more inclusive at the leadership level before you start bringing in like the campus level um, uh, undergrad direct hire talent? Oh, man. Uh, great question. I think Let's see if I can get both of these. Um, so when it comes to diversity and inclusion, my perspective and point of view is that they have to happen at the same time. And I think that there are different levels at which they happen at. Like you could float heavy to inclusion, but then do still do diversity and recruitment and things of that nature and vice versa. But it depends on the organization in which you're in, the culture and what's going on. And I'll start with inclusion first just to kind of go into it and say, uh, let's think through this for a second and say, how do you build an inclusive culture if you don't have any representation, i.e. diversity from the groups in which you're aiming to affect? And without this representation, this means that there's nobody from these groups 
that are able to input on the design of this diversity and inclusion strategy. And so when you talk about this inclusive culture, if you have less than 1% of the organization, you know, less than 20%, you know, uh, women in your organization, how are you going to go and effectively, and at a leadership level, it's definitely not, not there. How are you going to go in and actually do this if the representation is not there? Right. And so when you think about diversity, you got to, okay, are we bringing leadership in at the same time of building that inclusive culture and doing those things at the top and then pushing it down? As it relates to leadership, I would agree, but it goes back to representation, hmm. right? How can you effectively have diversity inclusion strategy driven from top down when the top has no representation right. from diverse groups in which you're designing for? And so I also say this, that we survey uh, candidates that have been hired and have received offers from companies. 87% of those candidates we serve say that one of the first things they do when researching the company they're interviewing with is go to the leadership page and see who on the page looks like them. Man, let me tell and you. And then, something. hello. Keep going. Keep go, going. Preach. Go for it. No, no. And, and of that, and of that, 60% of that group say that that was a major factor on whether they accepted the job or not. And if you allow me to go just a step further, keep going. One, one of the things we, we, we do in our consulting area is has looks at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. And when you think about the top of that pyramid and we get to self-actualization, the definition of self-actualization is the realization of one's full potential. So let's think about this. How can I realize my full potential within organization when I go to the corporate leadership page and I see no one that looks like me? How can that help me see myself as rising on my career aspirations when I can't see myself on the website, I can't see myself in leadership. You know, I didn't see myself in the interview process with the people that I interviewed with. How can I actually see myself thriving in this organization? I can't. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cedric, man. I, and it's so funny. So, you know, what I've been doing, I'm, I'm coming up on 30, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whatever. So, big time. Right, man, listen, it's different, man. Things creaking now, you know what I'm saying? Stuff needs to be sore for no reason. It's weird. Uh, no, you need to start raining, your knee hurt. Rain, right, so like, yeah, it's coming. Oh, my it's coming. Category three. Okay, so, uh, but. <laughs> But but it's you're you're 100 right. Like lately, when I do like when I interview, right when I have the opportunity, people reach out, whatever. I'll always ask, like, you know, how imperative is your your inclusion and diversity strategy at your you know at your organization? I say it's very imperative. It's very, super important. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I go, you know, what I'm saying I go to um, I go to the little executive page, right? And you know the uh, the board look like you know the first you know seven eight presidents like. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man, you y'all not serious. Man. Exactly. It's like a bunch of dollar exactly. bills up here. Like this is crazy. But that's that's representation, and so that's diversity. You know, from a recruitment aspect, adding them to the mix, and then inclusion is working on the other hand, trying to make it work. And so you're trying to do both, right? It's almost like. You know, some cases, right, I mean, from the country, right, and so there's certain cakes and certain things where you need to mix and you need to pour stuff in at the same time to get that evenly distributed. That's right. And that's the diversity, right, man? You're pouring the diversity in while you're stirring and inclusion, and you're doing it at the same time with both hands because you need for it to evenly uh, get into the mix and so that when you look at the cake mixing batter, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that you can go in and move forward with, right? And it's not clumped up. It's not, you know, over here. It's not, not like I say, segregated or whatever the case may be, right? It, yeah. You know, things are mixed in together. Those are bars. But they, they still have their identity, man. It, so it's, 
You know, it's interesting, man. Let me, man. Let me, man. Let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and uh, add some. Let me go ahead and saute on that on that metaphor, that analogy you got right there. So it's interesting because even when you make a cake, because obviously I thought you were gonna go with like a sweet tea analogy, right? But either way, with sweet tea <laughs> or cake, right? You got to make sure you add heat to that, John, so that way it actually like actually comes together. Because and even though that heat might be uncomfortable or may seem uncomfortable, you got to put on some gloves or whatever. Then you got to put it in the oven. You got to wait, but it's gonna all congeal for the cake, or mm-hmm. you got to turn up the dial on the on the stove to make sure it gets hot enough so everything can come together so we can actually merge into one thing that you can actually consume and that you can actually you actually can enjoy it's the same thing man you can't you know it's, it's in that mixing process that mixing process you got to add some some heat to that that heat might be you know accountable conversations you know like yep. true planning around how we're actually going to make all this happen how we're going to mobilize our inclusion strategy what does it mean to like really build um, a, a culture of sponsorship for your organization and then in and that that creates that culture that you're talking about there you go there you go man i'm with it okay I'm look, with it. now look let me respect your time let me respect your time i got one more question for you go um, for it man i'm here what recommendations would you give to the average white executive slash power holder who wants their organization to be more diverse but isn't uh getting the talent they're looking for um and they're not they're not seeing the talent that they're, you know, in, at the at the executive level. Oh, man, that's a loaded question. You said why exec power holder? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'll say this uh, and I'll say this for all senior executives, not just white. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to primarily speak to uh, CEOs and chief HR officers on this one. Come on now. Look, if you've decided that diversity and inclusion is imperative to the success of your organization, then I think you need to take this approach. First, go out and hire you a chief diversity officer. That's step one. Step two, for the first five to seven years on this journey, that chief diversity officer needs to report directly to the CEO. Hmm. Not HR, not strategy, not social responsibility or impact. Have them reporting directly to the CEO. This not only will have a visual impact, but it will solidify that just like finance, just like strategy, just like engineering, just like HR, that diversity and inclusion is imperative to the business and it has a direct line to the highest of the high. And I believe it, it was Steve Jobs that said this and, it, and, and he said in the context of design is that if you if a part of your business is so important to the CEO, it must report to the CEO. Because then only can that organization place the same importance on it as the CEO does. And so you're going out, you're saying, hey, we believe in diversity. But then the diversity officer is layer four layers down the organization constrained and doesn't have any say so power or ability to go make things happen. Right. But when now when that person is directly to the CEO, and we're talking top down. They say, hey, this is the, the move and this is where we're going. And that person is right there direct communication can get things signed off accomplished done quick it puts you in a better position to be able to accomplish that goal man i love that and you know it's interesting because i think that kind of transitions that transitions your that dni space from being just like another thing that's like in the compliance piece and into something that becomes like a strategic imperative for the enterprise right a lot of times when we think about diversity we're just thinking about ways to avoid you know this sound right you know <laughs> oh man but look and also look in, in every so i was an hr right yeah in every organization that supported you got the business leader you got the hr person you got the finance person you got quality you got engineers right but they're in that, in that organization and so 
HR is in every organization. Finance is in every organization, right? And so diversity is in every organization. The same way you look at diversity of people, you should be looking at diversity of suppliers. The same way you're looking Ooh. at diversity of marketing, the way you're looking at diversity and how you're looking at your strategy, where you're going. Like diversity is embedded in every one of those. And if it doesn't have that same vertical as the strategy HR finance organization, then how can it have the horizontal piece to where it cuts across all to be able to have that impact and show up in the everyday workings and doings of how people act and how they work and how they do their jobs. No, 100%, man. You know what I mean? You, you've been dropping bar, bar, bars. <laughs> man, like you know what I'm saying? I I'm love like, it, man. man. I love it. No, I, man, I love it. Now, this has been a dope conversation. Before we go, do you have any shout outs or pardon words? Oh, man, look, um, I would say one, you know, shout out to Jump Recruits, right? Uh, you can go find more information at jumprecruits.com. Um, Look, you know, the team, shout out to my family, my wife. Uh, and look, I would say shout out to all of the the leaders, the employees, the, the, the janitors, whoever it may be that's out there actively pushing diversity, out there actively pushing inclusion, whether it be in your small circle and you're, you're influencing those around you or whether it's at a large, large scale. Congrats. And I thank you. And I ask you to continue to continue to push and continue to be you don't have to be an activist, but you do have to be active. Ooh. And so I swear, I look, continue to, to do great things. And, and I just and I love it. Wow, man. Yo, shout out, man. A round of applause, man, for Cedric. Man. My goodness gracious, man. This has been great, man. Thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us on Living Corporate Podcast. Make sure you follow no. us on Instagram at Living Corporate, Twitter at Living Corporate underscore pod, and subscribe to our newsletter through living-corporate.com. Please say the dash. You know what I'm saying? Look, we got livingcorporate.co, livingcorporate.tv, livingcorporate.org, livingcorporate.net, livingcorporate.all of them. Except, All that. Except livingcorporate.com. Said you believe it or not, because Australia still got livingcorporate.com. And I'm like, man. So I don't know what we got to do. All that. Right. We're coming man. to talk to you, Australia. We got to come to have a conversation. Please. 2020. Please. We need that. We, we, we need, need that. We need that. We need that. Look, now, if you have a question you'd like for us to answer and read on the show, make sure you email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Zach, and you've been listening to Cedric Chambers, CEO and founder of Jump Recruits. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.